you know how diamonds are made? They're made by pressure. Mm -hmm. That's it was that pressure moment of, you know yeah. what? The only way anything's going to change is if I actually change it. Right. If I actually build something, the answer is not going to be going to work for someone else again that doesn't pay me enough, you know? It's so even that moment building. of like not having any income and you yeah. don't know where your next check scary. is coming yeah. from, you told yourself, I'm not going to get a, another day job. Absolutely. I refuse. Because there would be no day job that would be able to still like, that would be able to pay me enough to live and mm. take care of my daughter and like save for her college and just like actually build wealth. Right. You know, like I was, I have just been surviving in New York, right? So many of us just survive like paycheck to paycheck. You don't, nothing is left because it's so expensive to live here. Do you know what I mean? Right. And so, yeah. So I was like, I'm going to have to build something. Like that's the answer. Welcome to Growing Up Latina. I am your host, Ali V, and I'm so excited today. I have an incredible guest. I've been wanting to interview her for such a long time. Give it up for Sandra Velasquez, CEO and founder of Nopalera. How are you? I'm doing great. Yes. Thank you for having me. So, so great to be here. Local. I love it. Yes. Let's keep it local. <laughs> I want to get right into it because you know what I see from you and just like the vibe that I get from you you're like a walking gem like I feel like you have all the gems and I want to get into everything my first question is um how do you identify and why I identify as Chicana mm -hmm. because I am from San Diego I'm from about 10 minutes from the Mexican border mm -hmm. and I grew up with Chicano culture right so Mexican for anyone that doesn't know what that means mm -hmm. it's Mexican American culture uh, but Chicano, right, is like Mexicano, but cut in half. So instead of like mm -hmm. Mexicano, you are Chicano. Mm -hmm. And you always have one foot in both cultures, right? You grew up listening to cumbia. You grew up eating, you know, speaking Spanish, eating your parents' food, but also listening to rock and roll, also listening to hip hop, you know, in the United States. So having like that bicultural identity and experience is what how I grew up. And it wasn't until I moved to New York in 1999 mm -hmm. where when I would say Chicana, people would be like, what? What's that? You know, because right. here it's New York. It's like, are you Boricua? I'm like, right. no, I am not. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, so it's interesting because it, it was a big culture shock for me to come to New York. And mm -hmm. I was like, where are the Mexican people? Where are the Chicanos? Where right. are the first gen people mm -hmm. who grew up in this country, but whose parents are from Mexico? So it's still not, it'll never compare to California just because I know, of you the say proximity. That all the time, right? <laughs> like you want to go back. I'm going back. You're going back. I'm definitely going back. I'm only here still because my daughter is in high school. Okay. Okay, so when you moved here, how old were you when you actually came to New York? 23. 23. Yeah. So versus where you were from, where you grew up, and, you know, the familiar, familiar, familiarity <laughs> there versus now here in New York. What yeah. was that difference like? Um, you mean like when I got here? Yeah, when you actually arrived here in New York. Because New York is like hustle and bustle. Yes. Like a New York minute is like a real yeah. thing. Yes. And then you're not like nine years old you're like yeah. already now in your yeah. 20s yes so. it was culture shock for me but yeah. i i intentionally moved to new york to build my music career which i did mm. so i have like no regrets okay you know like new york absolutely made my career it okay. would have never happened if i had stayed in san diego you know why do you feel that way because all of the best talent is here okay you know like you either have to move to la or mm -hmm. you move to new york if you're okay. going to be in the music business or maybe you know i guess nashville you know but it's really like new york or la like right. i went to music school at graduation, everyone either moved to New York or mm -hmm. to LA or some went to San Francisco. Right. But the best talent is here. Like you need any musician for any instrument, I can find it for you here. Mm. I cannot find it for you in San Diego. Interesting. You know? Right. So it was, it was, I don't regret anything. Right. But then here I am like two relationships and a child later. And like now I'm, I've been here for like a while, you know? So let's, let's rewind a little <laughs> bit. So what was your family dynamic like? What did that household look like? Um, I feel super fortunate that I grew up with very strong parents. Like okay. My mother is a badass. Like okay. Her name is La yes. Flama de la Justicia. Okay. She is an immigration lawyer. She mm -hmm. is, she came from Mexico when she was an adult, mm -hmm. spoke no English, figured out how to get through community college, through state, San Diego state, went to law school. Now she's a bad, she's in the women's hall of fame in San Diego Ooh. and she's still alive. You know, yes. she, 
so I grew up with that role model. That's normal. Whatever your parents are is like normal because mm -hmm. you don't know anything different. Mm -hmm. And then my father, like very, very humble background, like used to pick fruit, you know, mm -hmm. his migrant family, poverty. And, you know, he met my mom in San Diego. He became an artist and a, and a homicide detective. So mm -hmm. really intense parents have very, they're both very intense. Um, and that they really just instilled like strong cultural pride in me, mm -hmm. which I'm so grateful for because look what I'm doing now. Right. Uh, everything I've done in my adult life, in my music career and in Nopalera has been celebrating Latino culture. Mm -hmm. And that's absolutely because I was raised to be proud of who I am and where we that's come right. from. That's right. Did you have any brothers and sisters? Like how many? Yes, just one. Just one. Yeah, just one sister. And she also has her fist up in the air. So both yeah. of us are just like, yes. Yes, I love that. Yeah. Okay, so now you move here to New York. Mm -hmm. So what is this lifestyle like for you? And this and was it specifically music yes. that made you move? Yes. Did you have a plan in line yes. of like what you were gonna do in New York? Like, okay, now when I get to New York, I'm gonna do yeah. ABC. Yeah. So I got here and I was like, I need something to do while I work on music. Mm -hmm. So I went to NYU and I got a master's nice. degree. And I also just worked random jobs, temp jobs. I worked in office buildings in Manhattan anything just because you need money right so um i just worked jobs until i finally got my band up and running pistolera mm -hmm. and then that kind of took over but still living in new york you know like you have to have five jobs to live here yes absolutely. so you know i always had a day job for health benefits for just the security of knowing like every two weeks a paycheck was going to be deposited into mm -hmm. my checking account because music is like this Right. right. It's like right. you're making an album for a year, like there's no money. And then you release the album and then there's money. You know, you're on tour selling merch and selling like CDs because, you know, back in the day we used to sell CDs. That's right. Okay. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you remember, right? Mm -hmm. So I uh, remember like uh, Virgin Records. Do you remember Virgin Records? Yeah. Store? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I miss Tower Records. Yes. I miss Virgin Records, the Virgin mm -hmm. Megastore in yes. Union Square. Mm -hmm. Miss all of that. So it, it sounds like you were very passionate with, you know, music. What would then make you tap out of that and now enter this next phase? I, well, COVID happened. Okay. So I had all some really great gigs lined up and mm -hmm. then COVID was like, nope, cancel, everything was canceled. And I was already starting to turn the page. I was already starting to work on Nopalera on this brand. Mm -hmm. And COVID just helped me turn the page and just like let go, you know? That seems interesting though, because I feel like opening up a business during COVID, mm -hmm. I would imagine would be one of the most difficult things. Orders are delayed. Mm -hmm. um, if this is a new business, who's your customers? Mm -hmm. Like all of that to me seems like obstacles, right? Yeah, I know. But you know, the thing is I started building the brand before COVID. Okay. And so then COVID happened. I was like, well, I'm launching this thing. There's no matter nothing, what. No, like I'm doing it. Like the packaging <laughs> is coming. It's on order. You know what I mean? I've got the Instagram account. I've got the URL. Like we are moving forward. And luckily I have a product that is like a practical like item, right? It's right. like we're all taking showers. Right. We're all still using lotion during the pandemic. In mm -hmm. fact, more so because no one can go out. You can't go to a spa. You can't go. You know what I mean? Right. So right. it, it yeah. just kind of worked in my favor that we had orders from day one the second I turned on my website. You know, mm. but I also spent like a year building the brand. And that yeah. was really I want to talk about that fundamental part. to my yeah. success. Yeah. So let, first, for people that are not familiar, what is Nopalera yeah. and what is a Nopal? Yeah. So for people that yes. are not familiar with that. Yes. So Nopalera is the name of a cactus patch. So the mm -hmm. nopal, in Spanish we call it nopal, in English Americans call it the prickly pear cactus. Mm -hmm. No Latino calls it that. In fact, mm -hmm. my sister, who was like in her 40s, I mm -hmm. was like, I said prickly pear cactus and she was like, ¿Qué es eso? <laughs> and I was like, that's what they call the nopal. And she was like, what? I've never even heard that in my life because we literally don't call it that. Right. right. So we call it nopal. Even if we're say, we're speaking English, we say nopal. We right. don't say prickly pear cactus. Right. <laughs> yes. So yes. it's called the nopalera is just literally the name of the field of nopales. Mm -hmm. And then when you cut them to eat them, then we call them nopales. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's traditionally been a food source in Mexico. I call it the most Mexican plant ever because it's even on the Mexican flag. Mm. Look at the Mexican flag. There was a nopalera mm -hmm. with an eagle with a snake in its mouth. There's right. a whole legend behind that that's beautiful mm -hmm. but it's historically been a food source and delicious really good for your health like people put it in green juices and smoothies in mexico they also grill it they put it in tacos uh, right. but also amazing for your skin for the right. same reasons that it's good for you to eat all the vitamins and antioxidants it's also good for skin and hair mm -hmm. so i wanted to create this high-end latina brand around this plant because i knew that the millions of mexicanos that you know chicanos that live in this country would mm -hmm. immediately recognize it and like gravitate towards it. So I I was making it for us. Right. But when was that like moment, that pivotal moment where yeah. you're like, 
aha, this yeah. is the name. This is what yes. I'm doing. Yes. Like, when was that moment? Yeah, that moment was in the summer of 2019 when I was unemployed. Because, mm-hmm. you know, when, you, when you're busy and you're employed, you don't really have time to think about new things because you're totally you're, focused on just like the day to day. And you're right? tired and yeah. you're just like, I want to go home. Yeah. I want to unwind. Yeah. But okay. all of a sudden I found myself unemployed for the first time. In Why were you unemployed? Life. Because I was working for a job that I had to leave because it was a family business that like imploded. Okay. And so I didn't get fired. I left. Okay. But I had no backup. I had no savings. Like I'm in my 40s when this happens. So I have mm. no savings. I have student loan debt. I have credit card debt. I have a daughter. Mm-hmm. No husband. Like no, literally no anything to like lean on. There's no like rich husband or no like family with, you know, with friends, you know, family and friends with money. Mm -hmm. And so it was that moment when you're like back is is up against the wall. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's like, you know how diamonds are made? They're made by pressure. Mm -hmm. That's it was that pressure moment of, you know what? The only way anything's going to change is if I actually change it. Right. I actually build something. The answer is not going to be going to work for someone else again. That doesn't pay me enough. You know, it's so even that moment building. of like not having any income and you yeah. don't know where your next check scary. is coming yeah. from. You told yourself, I'm not going to get a, another day job. Absolutely. I refuse. Because there would be no day job that would be able to still like that would be able to pay me enough to live and mm. take care of my daughter and like save for her college and just like actually build wealth. Right. You know, like I was I have just been surviving in New York. Right. So many of us just survive like paycheck to paycheck. You don't nothing is left because it's so expensive to live here. Do you know what I mean? Right. And so, yeah. So I was like, I'm going to have to build something like that's the answer. Well, what what is your definition of wealth and what and then also my two part question is, what was your definition growing up? Like what was your Mm -hmm. understanding and your relationship Mm -hmm. with money growing up? Yeah. Let's start with that question. first. So I think. For many of us, just we didn't talk about money. No one talked about money. I didn't know how much money my parents had. Did they have money? Did they not have money? Where it was coming from? Yeah, what do things cost for this house? Like, there's just no talk of that. Mm -hmm. And I had a good childhood, right? I I was not, I don't think, I wouldn't say that I was, you know, didn't grow up poor, right? We were middle class. I went to Catholic school. You know, my mother drove a Volvo. But they didn't start like that, right? They got there. Mm-hmm. Um, but still there's just no talk of money. And I think that a lot of us and my parents included make enough to like do well and like survive. And like, they're like, okay, this is good. Right. We're good. Right. Like, why would you need more? You know? Mm-hmm. And we are now this generation of like, here's why we need more. We need more because it's not just about surviving. It's we about, deserve more. We deserve more. We, and yeah. there's so much more to be had. And it's mm-hmm. not just more for us. It's like more for everybody. You mm-hmm. know, when I think about building wealth, it's not because I want all the money. It's because I want to be able to write a check to the Hispanic Scholarship Fund for like two fifty k. Like here you go. Oh, mm-hmm. like oh you, Ali, you need to better studio. Let me let me just Venmo you twenty k real quick. Yeah. I want to be able to help others, mm-hmm. right? But first, I need to make sure that my bills are paid, that That's my right. daughter has money, like that. You know, if someone needs to go to the doctor, there's no concern about like let's not go get the best procedure. Let's do what we can afford. Mm -hmm. You know, so for me, wealth is like everything is covered in my immediate circle. All the people I love have everything they need, including myself. Right. And then I can go out and like make an impact with that wealth. Mm -hmm. That is like what drives me now, actually, Mm -hmm. with building this brand. It sounds like there was a mindset, a mindset shift for you. Yes. Right. Because if, if growing up, you know, your family never really discussed money with you, Mm -hmm. then at what point, did you say, okay, let me educate myself mm-hmm. on wealth? Because mm-hmm. there is like an educational yes. phase, right? Like Financial literacy. Yes, financial for literacy. The mm-hmm. Yeah. So when did that happen for you? Very recently. Very really? recently. Because again, no one talked about money growing up. No mm-hmm. one in my family. And then what happens is we find ourselves in these like economic bubbles where like mm-hmm. everyone you know is making the same amount of money as you. Everyone lives in the same kind of like apartment or like drives the same kind of like car. And mm-hmm. so that normalizes your economic reality. And right. you, it's hard for you to see outside of that, that there could possibly be a different way of life. And so for me, I used to make here in New York, $40,000 a year, you know, working at Barnard College. And I thought that that was good. Right, right. And right. then I was like, how come I never have like money left over? I thought there was something wrong with me. Like I'm bad at money. There's, I don't ever have enough to like do anything. I just pay rent and bills and then there's, it's all gone. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't because I was bad at money, right? Or I was doing anything wrong. I just wasn't making enough money. Right. That's, that was yeah. the problem. You know, so it's 
realizing that was a big wake up call. Like, mm -hmm. be, and why? Because again, no one's talking about how much they're making. So you're, everyone's just living in their own reality. And I'm like, oh, I thought everyone else was making $40,000 a year. Like that's Hell not normal. No. People <laughs> are making like 250K yeah. a year, you know? And so um, it wasn't until I started my company, like mm -hmm. when I first started to build it, like in 2019, where I started to really like seek out more knowledge and other people you right. know, and, and new friends, like a new circle, you that's know, right. and yeah. that is so yeah. important for anyone that's building a business. Like you have to be around other people who are building, who are reaching. Otherwise it's like crabs in a barrel. Yeah. Did you have to let anyone go in your immediate circle that was no longer serving you throughout this process? Absolutely. And then what are those conversations like? It's not even really a conversation. You just kind of let it you just kind of let the distance happen. Yeah. You know, you don't actually have to sit down and say like, listen, I'm about to be wealthy, so we can't be friends anymore. <laughs> yes. Right. It doesn't right. even have to happen that way. Right, you just, right. you just move on and you find new people, you know, mm -hmm. to hang out with and you just, you create a different reality. What are some of the things that you heard in your childhood that doesn't bring true to you today? Mm. So many things. I think it's more about it's not even things that were said. It's like, you know, we learn by behavior being modeled to us. Mm -hmm. You learn by watching the people in your house be them, how they live their lives, how they interact with the world. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, because I'm Mexican, mm -hmm. I was raised Catholic by default, mm -hmm. which means guilt, shame, you know. Um, so, you know, getting married and getting divorced, it was like, shame and guilt and just like you know burying it's like por mi culpa por mi culpa yeah. you know and this whole mentality um that i still am working to like release that because it's just it, there's no reason it's like totally learned mm -hmm. you know it's not we decide we're gonna think that way you know so mm -hmm. still it's still a work in progress and how are you different now as a mom right and how mm -hmm. you're raising your daughter and like what are you telling her about? I mean, she sees it, right? Mm -hmm. She sees your every day. Yeah. But like, how do you communicate mm -hmm. money and, you know, just the idea of entrepreneurship? Yeah. For me, it's also about modeling the behavior because, mm -hmm. you know, when you are, my daughter's 15, mm -hmm. she doesn't know that she's learning anything right now. It's not until right. she's going to get to like 27 that she's going to be like, oh, you know, I was raised by my mom who like was was a musician and then became an entrepreneur, started this business, this multi-million dollar company, and she learned all these things, but it's gonna be in hindsight, mm -hmm. you know, That's because right. again, we learn by watching. And right. so what I try to do as a mom is actually just be very open mm -hmm. about everything, you know, because again, Mexican, Catholic, they're, you don't talk about sex, like yeah. you don't talk about, you have feelings for someone else or like you, you're getting divorced. Like these are taboo subjects, Absolutely. you know? So for me, I'm like, nothing's taboo. Like. We literally were at the dinner table. I'm like, okay, so is anyone smoking weed at school? Okay, cool. What are they doing? You know, just like, let's just mm -hmm. put it out on the table because in my house, everything was like, <gasps> you know, like, right. like a novella, you yeah. know? <laughs> yes. So I just try to be super casual mm -hmm. about everything so that nothing is a big deal because literally nothing is a big deal. Right. Does she ask questions about the business? Does she? Yeah, she asks questions. Does she want to get involved? She Did wants she? to, she wants to make more money. I'm like, okay. okay, cool. So she actually, I hired her as a research assistant nice. because you can, you can hire your children and pay them up to like a certain amount per year without tax being taxed. Mm -hmm. So she is my research assistant. Um, and this way it's not just like me giving her allowance. It's like she's working and then she gets a direct deposit in her checking account every you know week. And she just understands like, okay, you have to show up, you have to do the work in order to get the money. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love Also that. develop skill sets, you know? Yes. What is the biggest, I guess, misconception about entrepreneurship? Mm, I guess it depends on who you ask, but I think generally yeah. people think it's risky. I That's what that, I, 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 I think would say that, that my parents yeah. feel like when I told them I was going to start a company, they were like, okay, mija, pass the salt. Good luck. <laughs> you know? Right. Uh, so I think that they, now they're like, chill, right? I'm like, okay, you know, you've seen everything that I've done in such a short time. But I think it's that fear of like, you could lose it all. And to me, the misconception is, is like, what COVID taught us is that you can lose it all anyway, even if you right. are employed. So you might as well have control of your own future, knowing like that you know how to print money because you mm -hmm. know how to, you have skills that you know how to go out and make money any, anytime you want. Right. It's not depending on like, is your, does your boss like you? Are you, you know, are you getting that promotion? And so I think most Which... people think it's risky, but I'm like, you think that having a day job is not risky, but it is. And oh, we yeah. just learned that. Like, we're still learning that now. Look at all the tech layoffs, mm -hmm. you know, that are happening. I also think, too, it's like just transferring the fear to faith. Mm -hmm. 
and really like just having the ultimate belief in yourself, the mm -hmm. ultimate confidence mm -hmm. in yourself. It, from what I'm hearing, it just sounds like you've always had this belief in your ability to do anything, whether it was music, whether it was, you know, opening up this business. It, it sounds like that's what you had in you. And I wonder where that comes from, because it also sounds like your family really <laughs> were just like confident people all around. But yeah. was, were there, was there ever a moment where you felt not confident or not sure in the business? Kind of questioning yourself, like, is this the right thing to do? No, mm. I never had a doubt because for better, for worse, I'm super like hardheaded. I'm like, this is what I'm doing. And this is also how I ended up married and divorced twice. Cause I'm like, we're getting married. We're getting divorced. <laughs> yes. Like I don't, I'm like, yeah. I'm getting that tattoo. Like this, yeah. I'll, I'll have the chicken. Like I'm just very decisive. I love that. Yeah. And that's how I've always been like literally mm -hmm. since I was a child. So that I think is just my personality. But then I also got a lot of confidence from my mother because mm -hmm. she was also like, I'm going to law school. Like, this is a woman who like didn't even speak English, you know, and she just decided she's going to go become a lawyer. What? Mm -hmm. You know, so just that confidence, like I'm going for it is something that I also is behavior that's learned. You know, Right. I want to talk about um, the Latino community and the idea of being disconnected from your roots if you succeed. Mm, my favorite topic. Mm -hmm. Seriously, a whole book. A whole TED talk. Mm -hmm. How much time we got? <laughs> <laughs> we got time, Sandra. Oh my god! No, but it, it's the truth. It's like mm -hmm. this idea: if you if you were to succeed, mm -hmm. how are you giving back to your community? Mm -hmm. uh, why are you leaving your community? <laughs> right? Like, what, where I'm sorry, are you I'm going? Because uh, yes, I'm so familiar with this rhetoric. Yes, talk about <sighs> it. it. I call it the Jenny from the Block syndrome. Yes. Where people are, you know, like she had to write that song to be like, no, I'm still Jenny from the block. It's like, no, you're Jenny from L.A. And that's OK. Yeah. That's you don't have to, you know, prove yourself to anybody. You are allowed to upgrade your life. All of us should. In fact, that is like privilege has like gotten a negative connotation because it's used in the con like in the context of like white privilege. But privilege is what we're freaking fighting for. Like, right. I want the privilege to not worry about like, are the bills going to get paid this month? I want the privilege to be like, my daughter needs glasses. Let me go get them for her. Like, we want those privileges. That's right. You know? Like this whole like stay brown, stay down. No, absolutely not. Like anyone that thinks that I need to, in order for me to stay connected to my roots, I need to stay poor. Uh, sorry, we can't be friends. I'm sorry. Like, no. And mm -hmm. that is not helpful to the Latino community either. You know, this idea that because then what you're doing is you're dragging us all down. You're saying right. in order to be Latina, you need to stay poor. You need right. to stay in your fifth floor walk-up apartment. You need to stay struggling. We get addicted to our stories. We get addicted to this like struggle. It, it's we don't struggle like it's we did it because we had no choice right right if we could choose something else why wouldn't we choose something else right i you think know? it's the idea of if you become successful you are no longer relatable to your community <laughs> yeah. right mm -hmm. and i'll give you an example um i'll actually give you two examples so i've heard a lot growing up with my instagram you appear perfect but you never show the middle part mm -hmm. and i'm like but everything on my instagram is everything I actually do. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's nothing that I don't do. It's it's yeah. real life for me. Yeah. But I've always heard, well, you don't show that middle part. I'm like, okay. And I do understand that, right? Like you should kind of show like the journey mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. I think that's what makes it relatable for yeah. people yeah. is to show like, okay, you know, mm -hmm. uh, you know, down going up, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. Yeah. But then also I've heard as well, um, you take a lot of Ubers, so you're bougie. <laughs> I'm like, no, I take a lot of Ubers for my safety. Yes. <laughs> you know, for me, it's a safety have these people issue. people lived in New York? Like, yeah. It's not, it has yeah. nothing to do with being bougie. Mm -hmm. And so it's also like the idea of like growing up, right? You go to school and they're like, you sound white. I don't know what that means. Oh my God. I don't know what that, I can't relate to that. Like, yeah. I don't know what that means. Yeah. So I think w this idea of becoming successful and no longer being relatable. Mm -hmm. And then how do you respond to that? Yeah, I get, I just don't talk to those people. Because mm -hmm. I'm like, you are doing all of us a disservice by thinking that in order for us to be who we are, we need to talk a certain way, like have a certain level of it, like stay in a certain economic bracket. How, how is that inspiring? Right. How is like, we're trying to uplift here, right? Like you do this show to uplift people, right? To inspire mm -hmm. people with our stories. I created my brand to uplift the community because every Latino product should not be cheap at Walmart, right? People are like, oh, a croissant, $5. Sure. Oh, a taco, $3. Who do they think they are? Right. And I'm like, no, it is the same, you know? So right. like the perception of our value, like people internalize the, like the, like the racism, you know, mm. they internalize this like, 
perception that somehow we need to be down here, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm just not here for that. Like right. I just don't even associate with people that talk about it that way. Right? right. I'm like, how is that helpful? Right. Are you and trying we, to help people or are yeah. you not? And we were I'm just, just trying to help people. We were talking about that offline when I was just talking about like me living in the Bronx and me like want, and I've expressed it even on the show. Like, you know, I just want to get out of the Bronx. Yeah. Nothing to do with like, I don't like the Bronx or anything mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. It's just like, I want to see what's out there. Yeah. Like, yeah. let me find out what's on the other side, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. But then I have a friend who's always telling me, well, you can actually be successful here. You can make things happen here. What if, what if Jenny from the block was still making it happen on the block? I'm like, I don't think she would have. First of all, there'd be paparazzi everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> she could not make it happen on the she, block. She needs a gated community. She's a bodyguard now. Right. She cannot. Right. You know, you cannot, you know. And anyone that says it, I'm like, have you ever lived in like New York City? Because it's right. tough. It is it's tough. hard. I feel like we live in a constant state of emergency. I live in Brooklyn on like the on a road that like goes to a hospital. Mm-hmm. It's just sirens all day. Right. And right. it's so stressful. You know, I'm like, I work at home, so I'm at my desk. It's just like sirens, sirens. I'm like trying to talk to people on Zoom. I'm like, pause sirens you know yeah it's not this is not like quality living you know right and then it's also like when people see your brand because you do have a luxury brand Mm -hmm. so i'm sure you probably have had people tell you i'm like bring on the haters well this bar of soap Mm -hmm. this bar of soap Mm -hmm. is 14 dollars uh-huh why Uh and And how are you uh helping the community Uh uh-huh yeah Exactly. So what do you say to those people? Yeah. And they're like, like, I can get this at Dwayne Reed for like two bucks. Yeah. I'm like, well, let me give you directions to Dwayne Reed. Go ahead and go get it there. Because not all soap is created equal. Just like not all wine is created equal. Just like not all cheese is created equal. So, you know, soap is a great, you know, example because people think of soap as like all soap is the same. Like, oh, well, what's the difference between Irish Spring and like your soap? They're not the same. They are made totally differently. The ingredients are different. You know, so our soap is very expensive to make. That's why it costs what it does. Also, please go knock on the door of Chanel and be like, why are your soaps, you know, $20? Right. Because my soap is actually not the most expensive soap. Mm-hmm. There are soaps that are way more expensive. Pharrell has a whole like body right. care line. He helps sell soap for like $18. Go knock on his door. Mm-hmm. You know, this idea that again, you know, people are only saying that shit to me because, because it's a Latina brand, mm. right? Real Latinas can't afford that. You know, like people have said that to me. I'm like, oh, real Latina. Are you speaking for all Latinas right, right. now? Okay, Are you so the we, spokesperson Should for we us? all just buy cheap stuff? Right. Is that what we should be doing to stay Latina? Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. Sorry. Block, delete, be blessed. Mm. Was there ever a time where you even consider changing your price point? Never. Never. Because the entire purpose of my brand is to establish Latina as luxury. Mm-hmm. Do you feel now, well, talk about a little bit about your brand and just yeah. like some of the items that you do have, because I want people to get familiar with it. Yes. So we ha- we're a body care brand, so mm-hmm. we don't have anything for the face. I mean, you can use our products on the face, but it's not a skincare brand. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have our cactus soaps, which mm-hmm. are like whole body soaps. We have our cactus flower exfoliants. Mm-hmm. And then we have our lotion bars, the botanical lotion bars, which have prickly pear oil or nopal mm-hmm. oil. Uh, mm-hmm. which is a very luxurious ingredient, usually reserved for the face. You usually find it in skincare. There's lots of beauty brands that use prickly pear oil in their formulations for, for the face, but we use it in a body care product. So, and you, I heard you're the first Mexican in Nordstrom. Yeah, yeah. So I'm pretty sure we're the only handmade Mexican product in Love Nordstrom. That. We're in Nordstrom, we're in Credo Beauty, Free People, and we have 400 boutiques across the country to carry our products. And then now... You're on Shark Tank. You yes. were on Shark Tank. Yes. Let's talk about that because yes. that to me was a big deal. Yes. Right? Yes. So talk to me about how you got on Shark Tank mm-hmm. and just the pressure of actually being on Shark Tank and what went into that. Yeah. It's a very long process. Okay. So I applied online just like everybody else, you know, because people are like, do you have a contact? I'm like, no, I knew no one. I literally mm-hmm. went to the website like it said to, and I applied online. And then I got a, I think I either got a text or, or an email, mm-hmm. um, like several weeks later, like, okay, we, we got your application. We're interested to learn more. And I was like, okay. And from that, it was literally months of like vetting and vetting until you finally get assigned like producers mm-hmm. that then, you know, prepare you. It's really almost like seeking, like talking to investors because they need all your financials, all of your intellectual property. They need to make sure like, do you own the name of this company? Do you own the formulas? Anything that could be like a legal issue, right. they need to like vet all of that up in it up front, right? So 
and then you're meeting by Zoom every week. They're preparing you. Okay, film your pitch. Film it again. Let me see your wardrobe. Let me take. I had to take pictures of my tattoos. Right. Really. Yeah, because everything wow. you know is like intellectual property to make sure I don't have you know I don't know a swastika on my arm right. or something crazy. Right. You know, so they have to vet everything, and it's like a part-time job. You know, and I was doing that you know, while I was also fundraising, while I was also running my company at that time of like two people, mm -hmm. so wearing all the hats. And it, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of work, but then you get to the point where you're like, okay, you have a tape date and it's like, okay, we have a tape date, but they keep reminding you over and over, like you can get, you can do all of that and your episode still might not air. Mm. And that's heartbreaking, right? Because so right. much work, so many people, entrepreneurs like go through all of that. They tape, they go there, they film, and then their episode still doesn't air. Wow. So to finally wow. air, that's the real, you know, milestone because But what was that preparation in between before you, you know, from the moment you're submitting all your paperwork yeah. and trying to get yeah. everything kind of solidified to the moment that you're about to tape? Yeah. What is that in between moment for you? And then how do you even prep for that? Practice. I mean, okay. I, I'm a musician, so I'm like, I know how to practice. Right. I know how to practice uh, the same thing over and over, you know, dress rehearsal, everything, you know, so it's just a lot of practice. Mm -hmm. Your pitch is absolutely scripted, you know, but it has to come off natural, mm. right? It's, you have to, it's written, like it's edited. Like and you, that's something that you submit to them. You submit to them, but then they help you edit it. They're like, okay, okay let's take this out. Let's maybe change the sentence to that, you know, and it's totally crafted. Right? Okay. It has to be in your voice because you're going to you're going to say it. it has to come across like it's coming from you. So, right. Yes, I wrote it. But then like we made some tweaks, you know, and it has to be a certain length. Right. Because mm. no one wants to listen to a five minute pitch. Right? right. So like it's like a minute, you know, and um, and then you have to practice it like go faster, go slower. OK, <laughs> you know, yeah, it's yeah. really like the pacing of it, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, it's like preparing for a speech, you know, so it's just practice. Is there a live audience? No. Okay, so it's just the sharks. It's and just the sharks. And actually, I'm glad you asked that because mm -hmm. people ask me like, well, what was the, like, what was the, like the, thing, set, the like, set or like, yeah. what was like, did anything, did it, was it like what you expected? Mm -hmm. You know, and a lot of, you know, people, I know some people that were on the show and I was like, tell me everything. What do I need to do? Right. What do I need, how do I need to prepare? And everyone gave me their feedback, you know, which was really helpful. But what I didn't prepare for, like what no one told me is that when you get onto, on, into the tank, it is dead silent. So it's just it's like this. And they're just watching you and yeah. they're like, okay, yeah. yeah, give us your pitch. And it's because, you know, we watch it on TV and it's like edited. There's music and it's like, da, 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 you know. Right, right. And like everyone's interrupting each other and it makes it look like it's moving really fast. But in reality, it's like a dead, it's a soundstage, right? Really? It's dead, yeah. quiet. Mm -hmm. Everyone is mic'd, you know, and then you have to bring even more reason why you have to bring that energy to make you know, to make right. it, to bring that energy into the tank because there's no music, right. there's no applause. And you definitely you know? bought that energy. How, how involved are you in terms of the set and how you set up your products? So that's another part of the vetting process, like, you know, with your wardrobe and like, what are right. you going to wear? And like, you know, everything you're going to say, you have to design your display and you have to also produce it, like bring the stuff or like send it to the studio. Okay. So they will, you know, they put me in touch with their photographer, like or their printer, you mm -hmm. know, I already had the, the photographs. But, you know, we printed them out and then obviously shipping the product to them. I had to find some nopales, oh <laughs> like at local God. nurseries yeah. and like drive them over to the set. Mm -hmm. um, so you are you completely design your display and you have to pay for it. So that's not being covered. Like, again, like imagine like doing all of that and then your episode doesn't air. Right. Now, you've requested $300,000 in exchange for 5% equity. Now, is that something that you told yourself that going in there, this is what I want? Like, how does that work? Yeah. Do you tell them this ahead of time? Like, this yeah. is what I'm going to ask for. Yes, they FYI. need to know. Yeah, they need to <laughs> yeah. know. They need FYI. to know. Yeah, they need to know what are you asking for. Uh -huh. And I actually originally wanted to ask for more. And one of the producers, like actually one of their financial people was mm -hmm. like, well, it's kind of a lot, you mm -hmm. know, like for your stage, like, you know, you might want to consider lowering it because the rule is that it, once you get into the tank, you can always ask for more, but you can't take less. Mm, so okay. if you walk in saying like, I'm here asking for 500, I, I want $500,000 for 10% of my company, you can't take a deal that's $300,000. Got it. So I was like, okay, I'll start at 300,000 and then I can build up and ask for more, right? Okay. So that's why I decided to walk, you know, go in there asking for, you know, for 300,000 for 5%. So then, so now you ask for this, mm -hmm. what happens? 
Yeah. Well, I knew historically that the sharks hate single digit equity, right? Why is that? Because, you know, they're like 5%. God, you know, like that's not that much, right. you know, and like they want at least 20, 15, right? Double digit mm -hmm. equity. But the reality is that like when you are raising money or you're giving out equity in your company, you have to think about the long game of the mm -hmm. future. Like, am I going to raise more money? Because those investors are going to want a percentage as well. Mm -hmm. And you have to think about your own dilution, right? If you lose majority like shareholder, right. you're no longer, you can, like other people can outvote you. That's so right. you have to always maintain like majority ownership as long as possible, right. you know, and eventually like a lot of founders get diluted and they don't own the majority stake of their company, but you're going to have a board. Those board members get a say in your company. That's right. So you have to think about like the long game. So giving up so too much or er too early can be problematic, you know, right. for you later down the line. So, you know, I went into the tank prepared for them to say, uh, to say yes. And also prepared for, prepared for them to say like, no, like that's not enough and ask for more. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it turned out that, you know, I got the two offers. Right. And then I, I ended up being the one saying no. Can you talk about the, the two offers that you received and yeah. who offered it to you? Yeah. So it, you know, they were all very kind to me. I've, okay. I had a positive experience because I've seen them be mean to entrepreneurs, right? right? Like call them stupid or just whatever. Mm -hmm. So I went in there like with my armor. I was like ready, you know, and right. I also did a lot of exercises before, like emotional, mental exercises to prepare right. me. And I actually like brought my ancestors with me into the tank. Mm. Right. And I was like, I felt I, like I walked in there with pride and they could sense it. Mm -hmm. So they were actually very respectful. So Mark was the first one to go out. Okay. And he and he actually said, like, you know, I'm going to ask for too much. It's not going to be good for you. And I was like, thank you. I appreciate that. You know, it was from like he knew right. that it was going to not be good for right. me. Right. For right. my company. So he was out. Damon went out for the same reason. Lori went out. Right. Uh, all of us. And then Daniel went out. All of a sudden, it's just me and Kevin O'Leary. And he's like, what was your heart and yeah, your I mind? Was like, like, I feel like I would be panicking. I feel like I would yeah, have anxiety yeah. at this moment. It's if everyone... going so fast, okay. honestly. And then Kevin is like, it's just me and you. There's only one Mr. Wonderful. And mm. I'm like, and I was like, how did this happen? Like, how is it just me and you, you mm -hmm. know? So he gave me his offer, you know, which, you know, asking for 30%, which of course, like, I was like, just no way. Right. First of all, my first thought was like, my lawyers, my lawyers will kill me if I gave right. away 30%. That was, right. I was like, my, I can hear my lawyer killing me. So, you know, and then Daniel came in like with a counter offer. He came back in, you know, with a counter offer. But wait, 30% in exchange for what? What would, what would he be giving you for the, that 30%? He, he was like, I'll give you the 300,000. For 30%. For 30% instead of five. Got it. Right? Because okay. I was asking, I was willing to give up 5%. Mm -hmm. And he was like, I'll give you 300,000, but I want, you know, 30% of your company. And I was just like, my lawyer will kill me and then she will kill you. Right. I didn't say that, but in my mind, that's what right. I'm thinking. And then Daniel came back in, you know, after he had previously said no to offer me, you know, his deal, which was still, you know, a 25%. And I'm just like, Daniel. Oh, my God. So you said no. Yeah, because I, I just said, you know what? This is a brand about standing in our worth. Mm -hmm. And I literally have my ancestors in my ear whispering to stand in my worth. And so and thank you so much for the opportunity. But, and that was, but it's a no. And, wow. and they all were like, and Mark was like, good for you. Like they really understood, you know, because I, I went in there just, I was like, we like, I was like in 10 years, you're going to see my logo on the pitch deck of another Latin entrepreneur because I had no market comps. Mm -hmm. I had Shea Moisture. Mm -hmm. That's, they're not a Latina brand, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I was like, where are the Latina brands that have, that are, that have grown big and exited? that are on, you know, that have like changed the game. They're, they don't exist. Right. So I was like, we are building something big. You know, I'm meeting with Sephora and Ulta in the next 30 days. Like who wants to help me build this legacy right. brand? Do you want to come or do you not? Because I will, there's other people that will come. Well, how do you know who to partner with? How do you know who's the right partner for you? Yeah. It's like, it's like, how do you know who's the right like person to marry or get into a relationship with? You are getting into a partnership contractually mm -hmm. with someone when you are selling equity in your company you have to like them mm -hmm. like so for me it's like it's like hiring it's like hiring a person or bringing anyone into your life like you have to genuinely like them mm -hmm. do you are, are they aligned with your company values or do they do they understand where this company is going like will they trust you to lead it right. someone's going to come in and say well let me just change all of this let me you know all you know, like you have the vision, you are the visionary, right. you are leading. If I'm going to be your investor, I'm going to try, I'm investing in you. Mm -hmm. So you want to find people that align with your mission and your vision. 
um, and are going to let you do what you need to do. And they're here to help you accomplish the goal, not right. here to take over. Right. You know, so, you know, vetting investors is a, is a, is a real thing. So after, after Shark Tank, then what happens? Like, do you have investors in your company now? Yeah. How does that work? Like, what are the next phases of the brand? Yeah. So, you know, when I was in the tank, they asked me like, so do you have any other interests? I was like, I have strong interest. I didn't have any yeses at that point when right. I filmed because I filmed back in the summer. Okay. You know, and I had just started fundraising like a month prior and I eventually did, you know, raise $2.7 million. And I, owe, I was You see what that no turned into? That's what I'm saying. Do you? No. Don't settle. Don't, that's the message right there. That's it. Don't settle. You said no, and then you got 2.7. Yeah. Yeah. I can't. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And they, you know, they were going to be, you know, like, here's $300,000. Like, $300,000, it sounds like a lot of money for an individual, but you're, when you're running a business, that money goes quick. Right. You know? So, you know, yes, I raised $2.7 million. Uh, you know, 100K goes to legal right off the bat. Right. right? This is what entrepreneurs, like what normal, like non-entrepreneurs don't know about raising money. You mm -hmm. know, they think that I, I never had $2.7 million in the bank because literally 100K went to legal right away. Mm -hmm. You know, um, so I raised a 2.7 million. I have a lead investor who is a Latino fund, actually. So that yes. worked out because their entire goal is to fund the Latino, you know, community and and founders. And I'm like, great, that's what I'm trying to do, too. So mm -hmm. we're aligned on that. Um, and then I had some other angel investors come in as well. And now you're also speaking at the ROI Summit mm -hmm. um, with Rachel Rogers, who I love. And yeah. we spoke a little bit about her um, offline. I, when I was like down and out, I bought her book mm. because I felt so like I just needed answers. Yes. And you know, like seek and you shall find. Yes. That's kind of yes. like where I was in yeah. my journey. Um, and so I read her book, um, We Should All Be Millionaires. And and we should. And we should. <laughs> and then when she came out with the ROI Summit, mm -hmm. I didn't see us. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I was like, it's in Puerto Rico. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. it was almost like a head scratcher. Like, yeah. it's in Puerto Rico. Yeah. Where's yeah. the Latinos in yeah. here? And then I see that you're a speaker. Yeah. So you're speaking at the ROI Summit. So yeah. talk to me a little bit about that, how you met Rachel Rogers, yeah. and what's the connection between you? So similar to you, I also found Rachel in a moment of like, seek and you shall find, because right. I was in that moment, I was just starting my business, and I was like, I need to find other people who are doing this too. Mm -hmm. You know, I need, I need a new squad. You know, it's like time to squad up. When you are going to make like trying to up level your life, you need a new squad, you know, unless right. your existing squad is going to go with you. Right. Right. But these right. cannot be the people that are like stay in the Bronx. Like, no, no, okay. no, no. Definitely okay. Not. So I probably discovered Rachel online, like most of us, mm -hmm. you know, and I joined the club, which is called the We Should All Be Millionaires Club. Yes. And so, you know, we're called Schmillies in the club. So I've been a Schmilly since. 20, sometime in 2021, I think I joined. And soon after that, you know, they were like, oh, we, we can, you can win a, a retreat to the Rogers Ranch because Rachel lives on a ranch, right? right? right. Um, in North Carolina. So I submitted, you know, and I won. And they were like, yeah, you won a retreat to the Rogers Ranch. I was like, what? Is this for real? So it was me and four right. other women that mm -hmm. all won. We met at her ranch. We had like a day of coaching with Rachel. We had a photo shoot, you know, um, and that moment, that's when I first met Rachel in person, mm -hmm. right? And those women that were with me there are now my CEO squad. Like we now nice. meet every quarter in person. We all live everywhere, right? Mm -hmm. No one lives in the same city. We meet in person quarterly. We're all going to Puerto Rico together. We have an Airbnb. We have a weekly Zoom. Like this is the true like definition of like a success squad, right? So when I'm like, I'm raising... Two million, they're like, go for three. You know, like yeah. these are the, that's, those are like the people. Like they really lift those, you up. Those, yes. Mm -hmm. Those are the type of people you need in your life. Not people that hold you back. No. Right. Or like, and how has that been a game changer now for you and your business and just every aspect of your life, right? It's, it's all of those things. It's, it has, it's everything. It's a game changer. It's like for all aspects of life. You just, you need a success squad. You know, mm -hmm. you need people that are like, they, they, when you win, they are like ecstatic. Right. 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 And there is no, like we can all win. You know, mm -hmm. we can all win. There's so much, you know, and there's no, there's no scarcity mindset, right? There's no jealousy. There's no pettiness. It's literally just people that pour into you, you know, and it is just such a joy to have those people, those women in my life.
Yeah. And it's a game changer. I, I always recommend, like, when people are like, well, what do you recommend to new entrepreneurs? I'm like, get a success, get a CEO squad. That's right. <laughs> Talk to me a little bit about money affirmations. Mm -hmm. And what are some of the money affirmations that you tell yourself mm. to kind of get by, get through, even during those times where you um, seem a little bit uncertain, yeah. but you're still confident, like, yeah. no, it's going to happen for yeah. me. Yeah. So first of all, I have them all over my house on post-it notes. Okay. So <laughs> I don't just like, I don't, don't keep your affirmations to yourself. Like declare it, decide and declare, say it out loud, literally post it. Like people come to my house, they're like, oh, okay. Yeah, like, <laughs> like what is okay, happening? Okay. Like, you know, so I just. Clearly she did a staples order around yeah, here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's like, why is there a post-it like in the bathroom when I open the medicine cabinet? Like I literally have them everywhere. So like when I glance, like I can't not see them. Um, I have so many, like the one that I say pretty much every night is, Everything I want is already mine. I give love and gratitude for it mm. because you have to normalize it. Like it's already yours. Whatever light you, you're going to move somewhere. It's already yours. That mm -hmm. house that you're going to move into that you want, that you have visualized, it's already there. You just need to step into it. Right. You know? And so gratitude for me is like the portal for like receiving. That's you know, right. it's not Gratitude is not like, let me just stay down. Like, let me just be grateful for what I have and not want more. No, gratitude is literally the portal to, to receive That's more. Right. That's right. And so, um, Money, I literally do like money flows e easily to me. Mm -hmm. You know, money goes and money flows, right? Because money is just purely energy. Like without right. human beings, there is like money means nothing. Mm -hmm. It's just an energy exchange between all of us, mm -hmm. you know? And we we are the ones that attach meaning to it. Like money is bad. Money is evil. Rich people are bad. Rich people, right? Those pre preconceived notions yes. that we have about money. Yeah. I My affirmation that I always say is I welcome unexpected goodness and unexpected miracles in my reality. I love that. Yeah. I love that. I'm like, I don't know where I'm going in life, but whatever it is, I welcome it. I welcome it. Bienvenido. I welcome it. What would you say to the person who has not found their purpose. They don't know their why. Mm, like in life or in business? In both, right? Like they don't know what's the next step. They don't like, mm -hmm. you knew, mm -hmm. you know, music was my passion. Mm -hmm. Now I want to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. I definitely have always known my why, but then there's people that I, mm -hmm. I meet that they're like, I don't know my why. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Or people are just fueled simply by money mm -hmm. and they don't have that. A purpose. <laughs> a purpose attached to <laughs> yeah. it. I mean, if you don't know your purpose or your why, I think you need to get to know yourself. So what? go do things to help mm -hmm. you get to know yourself. Mm -hmm. What is it that you like to do? Do you like to travel? Do you like to play sports? Anything that like makes you feel like you are just being authentically you, that is just like you literally just love to do it. Mm -hmm. Get to know yourself. And, and, you know, when you are a business person, you are creating a product to serve, right? Like I did not create my company because I like soap. <laughs> right, right, right. I created my business and my brand to serve up, to make an impact for others. And when you attach your why to also helping others, doesn't mean that you don't help yourself in the process. But when you attach it, like that's that's impact. You right. know, like ask like, if people don't know their why, it would be like, well, what do you want people to say at your funeral? What's what, your legacy? What, what's your legacy? What, what do you want to be remembered for? Mm -hmm. you want, like what it does there's no right or wrong answer if you're like i want to be remembered for making people smile great then that is your purpose like what can you do to make people smile what can right. you do to bring them joy it doesn't have to be like uh, this big thing right like every everything that we do is meaningful you know mm -hmm. and everyone has a, a purpose in this world you know right. so it doesn't have to be that you are you know, a philanthropist. You don't have to be Bill Gates, right? Like the nurse at the hospital is making an impact. You mm -hmm. know, the teacher is making an impact. But whatever it is, like you need to find that thing that makes you feel like good. That's right. What would you call this chapter in your life? Mm. I would call this chapter in my life. I want to say like the good chapter, but I would <laughs> say like growth. It's mm -hmm. really it's it's just high growth because I think through all of my twenties and thirties, I did kind of settle. You know, I settled in my day job. I settled in my relationships. I settled financially. And I went to a friend of mine who is an intuitive counselor here. And mm -hmm. he was like, stop coasting. I was like, excuse me? I am work I am not coasting. I right. am working. Right. And, you right. know, but I know what he meant, you know, which was like, I wasn't pushing myself. You know, I wasn't really trying to reach my potential. Um, and so now I feel like it's all about growth. I'm mm -hmm. like, what can I learn? What other thing can I learn? Entrepreneurship, you have to stay learning. You're always learning. There's, Absolutely. There's no like we have arrived and now we know. Like there's, you're just always, always learning. So for me, it's like, it's all about growth. Yeah. What do you wish uh, would change in the Latin community? 
Mm, everything we talked about before. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. wish people would stop trying to define us. Mm -hmm. And I wish people would stop trying to hold us back. I really wish people would stop saying that, like, you know, that, like, yeah, that we need to, like, stay, in order to stay close to our roots, we somehow have to stay down economically. Mm -hmm. What is that? That is garbage, you know? So I, until the day that people stop asking Latinos to, to charge less for their services, you know, to devalue their, themselves, like, until that day, like, my job is not done, right? That's, that's right. why I created my brand. So that like, it just normalizes. I'm like, okay, there's Chanel, there's no Paleta, there, you know. Yeah, that's right. That's it, you know. That's right. Um, tell me you're Latina without telling me you're Latina. Mm. Oh my God. God, what should I choose? <laughs> there's so many. <laughs> I know, I know. Um. I mean, I, I would actually not, it would not be a word. I would do this. Mm. I like that. <laughs> I call it the dedo Latino. Yes. You know, just like. I like that. And finish this <laughs> sentence. Growing up Latina is. Mm. Growing up Latina is such a privilege. Mm -hmm. I really feel like what an honor to have like this bicultural reality. I feel like so rich, you know, when people are like, I speak Spanish, I speak English, like, I can go to different countries and like, just like blend in. Mm -hmm. I feel bad for people that can't do that. <laughs> I know, I know. What's one piece of advice that you would want to leave to fellow aspiring entrepreneurs? Mm -hmm. People that want to get into this, but they just, mm -hmm. you know, they really don't know the next step. What is like one piece of advice? I have so many pieces of advice. I know, but if I, there is so many. I'm like, I have a list. Me too. But um, I think one piece of advice is if not you, then who? Mm. My mom always told me that. Mm. Always growing up. I love your mom. She's like, if not you, then who? And I'm like, you're right. <laughs> you're you have an idea. It's you're for a reason. Absolutely right. Let people know where they can find out more about your business. Talk about your podcast because I know you have a podcast yeah, yeah. as well. And then also what your 2023 will be looking like. Mm, yeah. So you can find us at nopalera.co on our website. Mm -hmm. You can also find us at Nordstrom, at Credo, at Free People, um, on Instagram, also nopalera.co. And 2023 is going to be a year of high growth. Like I mentioned earlier, we're talking to Sephora and to Ulta. That's really like the next stage you know, of our business in terms of building like a national retail presence, it's going to be at one of those places. So before this year ends, I, I want a yes from one of them. You will get a yes. Thank you. You will get that yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and your podcast. Oh, my podcast. Yes. Yeah, so the No Paleta podcast. It's all about me documenting the journey of building this brand. Mm -hmm. And I, because a lot of entrepreneurs like ask me questions like, how do I do this? How do I do that? How did you find a designer? How did you do this? How do you get into wholesale? So I created the podcast to just answer all those questions mm -hmm. and document my journey in real time. And I also, it's a mix of like solo and guest episodes. So you can just find it, you know, everywhere that you find a podcast. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming Thank on the show. Sandra Velasquez, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. I love you. Oh, thank Bye. you.